You know, the, the thing they don't tell you about hiring an accountant that is a bit of a letdown is that you still have to do a shit ton of work. I don't, I don't, it's just, <laughs> there, there is no OAuth for accountants, right? Like my vision of what accountants do is it's kind of like when I, when I go to some service and I want it to like use Twitter to get, find out my contacts or apparently God forbid use Facebook to tell my, uh, you know, America how to vote, like just one click oh. away and then, <laughs> and then someone's elected. But like my assumption is that you go to the accountant and there's this little authorized OAuth, that's OAuth that's full powers that, right? Or am I? Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, you remember that identity that identity 2.0 presentation that that tall Canadian did? That was like a groundbreaking presentation that still to this day, uh, much to my consternation, is uh, imitated. Like I, I know I am going to insult uh, or let down a lot of people I would consider my my sort of internet friends and, and other friends. But for fuck's sake, I hate those presentations that have like one word or phrase on them. And and it was really cool when that Dick Hart guy did it. Like. 15 years ago, it was awesome. But nowadays, you just got to cut that shit out. That's just like, no one's being helped, right? Like, well, it's almost like your presentation is turned into a teleprompter that the audience can see. But, you know, no <laughs> no hard feelings. You do, you do what you do. You be you. Now, so the accountant, you go to the accountant, and I expect that you go there, and the screen pops up, metaphorically, and you, you sort of click authorize, and then a few weeks later, all you have to do is like some DocuSign bullshit on some taxes. But no, basically, no. you're hiring someone to assign homework to you and like cause you to do a lot of work. And I get that they like know how to like walk through all the regulations and fill this stuff out. But man, there's got to be a better way where I could just be like, here's some temporary, here's a one password vault. You go figure it out. Well, you, you know, if, if, if there hadn't been such uh, an uproar about the Facebook stuff, they were about to announce it. Just in time for tax day. <laughs> that would, that's right. <laughs> They've already scraped oh. your life. Fa and Facebook filing. Taxes. Oh, man. Yeah, wait a minute. I want to do like some real-time uh, uh, accounting, uh, uh, I guess we'll call it, uh, comparison. Like, So how do you actually – like I actually scan everything. I get all my forms scanned in and somewhat organized. And then uh, I use one of the various uh, file-sharing systems to get the, the account and all the stuff. And they go from there. Like, so yeah. is that um, – is that like current state of the art, or is there are people doing oh, yeah. it better or worse? I mean, the, I, I mean, I'm, I'm USB stick all the way. I got, I, but my <laughs> my my accountant would take whatever. It's just like I find it convenient to um to do that. So give her yeah, so I have stick. to use I have to use two accounting firms. So uh, you know, one for Australia, one for the U.S. Um, and you know, luckily for me, both uh, provided by my my uh, employer. Um, but they both have you know, a secure website kind of dealy where mm -hmm. I log in and I you know get a web UI where I can upload. So somebody is making money, um, right. you know, pro providing uh, front ends for secure FTP to 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 banks. I hope it's secure. Add yeah. a little lock on it. But, well, that's uh, my other question. Is <laughs> add that, a little like, lock on it. The universal uh, sign of everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's the uh, that part. I think everyone's gotten down like some kind of various secure file sharing or Cote's case, the sneaker net. But then, does your accountant sometimes like email you some kind of question or some information? And it's always because I do think uh, sometimes the security privacy stuff like just bleeds into email, where everyone's just like, <laughs> like you just yeah, gotta yeah. Answer, ask a question real quick, right, and right. you're like, well, like probably we should do this in email, but. It's also yeah. going to be a real pain no, in the ass I, if we don't. Yeah. I, I think um, historically, it's it's just you know just been an email. Like I'll just email shit back and forth. And she does she does use some kind of system for. Is this true? I feel like there is some kind of system that I've used for filing the taxes. And like, um, I I don't know what to do about that. You know, when I was doing M and A, we had to use all these various. Uh, they would call them clean rooms. Sometimes if you were working with a tiny startup, there would just be a Dropbox share and all the corp dev people would be like, that's adorable. Oh. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, man, that shit was so annoying to use because it, basically you had to install like, you know, Flash from 2008. And, um, <laughs> but presumably it was secure. But yeah, I mean, I kind of, I have that same kind of reaction to a lot of uh, things like I got a DocuSign thing the other day, and it had a note that was like, uh, 
do not email this because it, it was worded more scientifically than this, but do not email this because you have a custom URL that leads to a completely unpassword protected thing for you to sign. And, <sighs> you know, what are you going to do? Right. Like, I know, but I feel, I feel like a real dilemma when I get some of these emails. Cause like you could, cause sometimes I'm like, you could kind of be the guy that sort of takes the time to explain like, Hey guys, like that's okay. Here's the answer, but let's start doing it mm. this way from now on. But then you're like, I don't have to. I just need to finish this too. I don't want to spend <laughs> yeah. time guys, explaining guys. this. PGP. And then you don't want to be that. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to PGP. ever get fired. I don't want to get fired by my account either because it's like there's some like personal history, and then you kind of like they know what you are and like how it all works. <laughs> you know? So you like, have this relationship where you don't like want to start over, and so you're like, okay, you're just like are, you don't want to be. Are, you don't want to be a difficult <laughs> client where they're like, oh, are, are you worried about being blackmailed by your accountant? <laughs> No, I mean, I wish, honestly, I wish I had something to be blackmailed. I never made my life much more interesting if there was something that you could blackmail oh. me. It's more like, I just don't, because I believe everyone, you have to somehow explain your situation to the accountant, right? And then they go from that. Like you, Matt Ray, I think if we brought on, an, in your accounting team, if we brought someone on, we'd be like, well, Matt kind of lives in Austin, but he works in Australia. Figure it <laughs> out. You know what I mean? So and he's got three kids. Some go to yeah. school, some don't. Figure that out. <laughs> they all go to school for the record. Um, but I was on a call the other day where, uh, yeah, we're, we're digging into it now, um, where my American accountants were talking to my Australian accountants and uh, one of the Australian sides brought in, you know, some upper management or something just to show that they were paying attention. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, we, we hadn't realized that Mr. Ray was uh, not an American. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, you know, deep breath, head between the knees. <laughs> he recovered. <laughs> start quickly. over. Because <laughs> uh, um, you know, uh, the Australian tax year runs um through June thirtieth. Uh, so I'm actually, uh, thanks to a couple of well placed extensions, finishing up my 2016-2017 taxes. Nice. Like, <sighs> yeah, and 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 then I mean, I'll two more things, and maybe we'll move on to whatever the actual topic of this podcast is. <laughs> I mean, I get, I guess this is a good, uh, this is a good uh, uh, ancillary, you know, Taylor Swift on securities type of conversation we're having here, so that's good. But um, you know, uh, yeah, you know, to my to my accountant's credit. I was explaining to her that you know I, I I make some money off with podcasts and and you I I've tried to explain uh, podcasts she, she knew what it was it was good and she even kind of like dug into it and was figuring out like uh, you know the difference in in a podcast format between uh, what would you say well but my favorite Beecham quote about the the bookings and and the plan and when you realize oh, yeah, the revenue you, and you don't eat the plan yeah that's right so so she actually went into some very like once. Once she, not that I explained it to her at all, but once I clarified that the that I that I not clarified that I that I you told you told her we're like S Town but for nerds, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, we we have <laughs> we have a podcast. Occasionally, we sell advertising. We get money for that advertising, and she was like, got it. <laughs> like it was it was crystal clear. And then she went down this path of how you uh, arrange all that stuff. So, it, you know, the accountants that see that part, I don't think like uh, QuickBooks would have done that for me. Like, you know, you have mm. to like get some finessing in there. But yeah, I don't know, man. And and then also the other thing is like, uh, what is the deal with extensions, right? Like they should just like give you an extension because Lord knows I always take it. Like it's just this weird, I don't know how it works in Australia, but in the US it's this weird dance of like, it's very, very uh, contradictory and weird to use that term. We're like, so you got to file by April, whatever. I should probably look that date up, uh, but you have to file by a date or file an extension. And if you file an extension, you still have to estimate what your taxes are. And if if your estimate varies from like something like five to ten percent from what it actually is, then you own you owe penalties. So it's sort of like, hey man, either make me pay on time or don't run me through this bullshit. Like whatever the case is, like it's it's a very bizarre system, uh, and you know uh, they should just figure that out. That's that's what I'm going to tell my uh, congressperson. Figure out extensions. <laughs> very you important. Mean, if if your congressman's the same one as that I used to have, uh, might still have, he's busy extending Disney copyrights and, mm. and being generally terrible on the internet. So. Yeah, yeah. I think I I think I got uh, our our friend McCall. I think the, yeah, the, that the, guy's the, the chairman of the DHS uh, committee or whatever. 
Good old yeah. McCall. Love that oh, guy. Oh, God. Yeah, you know, you know, for for those that don't know, here in Austin, we've got about fifty different uh, Congress people. You know, our yeah. our, uh, our basically our gerrymandering here is like just if you imagine taking one of those Costco twenty four ounce uh, pickled artichoke uh, heart like jars and sticking it in a blender and just like blending it up. That's what our congressional map looks like. <laughs> it's just like a mess of nonsense. Someone was someone made very certain someone the the Republican Party made very certain that tech, that uh, uh, Austin could not represent itself, so they have uh, uh, five congressmen. Yeah, good old, good uh, old that that I think my congressman also represented Laredo. Ooh, Laredo, uh, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Which yeah. is the border town. Well, well, you know, you know, uh, we'll we'll come back to it, but we should mention <laughs> that this episode is sponsored by uh, Datadog. We'll, we'll tell you in a little bit how you can get a free T-shirt from them if uh, you don't remember how. But what, what uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, we should, we should mention it. Uh, have you seen how much Facebook has been in the news? You, y'all talked about it a little <laughs> bit last week, but it is uh, a little. It is, you know, here I, I have two things. I mean, y'all, y'all talked about, it, but two things uh, I, I wanna, I wanna rehash slash go over. One of them is, of course, this is my. Let me get up on my. <clears throat> soapbox here that was that was me pretending like i was getting up on a box uh to do that um i should make it i should make a t-shirt that says i like to explain my jokes um but uh that was me pausing for laughter for the audience it's it's okay (laughs) i don't get it (laughs) hey say hey that's good that's good uh but I, uh, man, what was I going to say? I keep, I keep Facebook. distracting. Facebook. You're going to give us your the take on Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I am continually frustrated by the fact that uh, where we the the great tech companies that we work at uh, get lumped together with with these with this Facebooks and all of these things. Like it just like I was listening to. There's a great segment on, um, or not segment, but part of part of the weeds episode this week. Titled appropriately is Facebook bad and and it's good the the they have the three classic people you know I could always uh, you know Ezra Klein should go do more of his own episodes as always uh, but you know I, it was a good discussion of like is Facebook good or bad and they keep saying tech companies and I think keep thinking like for fuck's sake like like Facebook <laughs> like, is not you get the memo from Mark Andreessen yeah yeah it's you're just all like, tech companies and and you know I I don't I don't mind the um, well, I guess I do mind the laziness of it, but the reason it's concerning is like the, uh, you know, the, if, if the opposite of a halo effect is like a, a horn effect, it's sort of like, uh, and it, this probably already happens, but like if these companies are called tech companies and I work at a tech company, sooner or later, I'm going to be on the wrong end of a pitchfork just by being associated with it, right? And undoubtedly... Uh, you know, let's say that you 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 uh, were a large company with sort of like double digit uh, series of quarters that was not profitable. Inevitably, some some hoo ha over at the the HuffPo or the Business Insider is going to write like, you know, these companies have been failing for years. These tech companies, and now they're terrible, like Facebook. And it's just like, it's just really uh, unhelpful for everyone Lazy. to lump these together. And you yes. know, that's that's my rant. But I think you hit on like the whole. I mean, I think you, I guess the horn effect. If that's the, uh, I think what we're just seeing here is just you know, Facebook has so long had the halo effect, and the halo has become, I don't know, maybe as big as a halo has ever become in these companies. So now they're just being taken to the woodshed. A lot of this, I think, you know, I think just like a lot of the praise, right, was a little way too much. Like now we're just at a point where mm-hmm. they've a lot of made, they've made a lot of mistakes, but the narrative. It's just so strong. And then like so many people have an agenda, like all the media, somebody was writing, the media yeah. was writing about how like the media hates Facebook. So therefore they're like more than happy to just, uh, you know, like just troll them incessantly. Right. And write about them badly because they've, you know, because newsrooms have been impacted so much. So like all these things, I mean, the world, it's very gray, right? Like it's all the feedback gets like, I think very kind of a polarized very, very quickly in, um, and then, you know, I don't know, even, but I will say even Tim Cook, I don't know if you saw his mm, yeah, interview. Yeah. I mean, talk about just like, just beating, <laughs> beating someone when they're down. It was just like, you know, cause I, I have no problem. I think Apple has taken this firm stance on privacy, but it just so happens that aligns with their 
strategic set of products, right? So it's of no course. accident. But uh, the fact that he was just like, yeah, we would never do this. And, uh, you, know, you know, to your point about distancing itself, you know, that seemed pretty unfair and disingenuous the way that went down. Yeah. But, but that said, you know, someone pointed out very, uh, many people pointed out that uh, Mark Zuckerberg has taken every chance, every opportunity to firmly uh, run every part of Facebook. He's tried to extend his control since the very beginning. So uh, I guess, as they would say, you know, everything comes due at some point. So this is this is yeah. his, uh, and, his opportunity to really yeah. pay a pretty big bill. And 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 I and I think to many of the points you're making, there are uh, patterns to be extracted that you could apply to uh, explaining and then eventually helping to fix lots of the systemic problems in true tech company world. And my dog, of course, agrees. She's very upset because she was manipulated into liking Alpo instead of Gravy Train by what she saw in her activity feed. Uh, but big uh, Alpo, <laughs> big Alpo. So, so you know, there's also like like you were saying, right? Like it's it's uh, uh, you know, uh, unless you're that that one in a hundred situations, um, you should probably get rid of your founder right before you're really successful and you start monetizing. Like, oh, you know, I I haven't been around that long. But uh, that seems to be a pretty solid sort of like statistically a bet. Like you'll be wrong 20% of the time or whatever to be all Italian on you. But uh, in general, it uh, <laughs> it seems that's a pattern that plays over again and again. And there's all sorts of other things, right? Like the I – think, I think it's a fair thing to say that uh, all of the, uh, the moral hand-wringing of like you can't be these aloof – you know, tech nerd people, uh, you have to sort of like be aware of the, the ethical effects of the software that you have. That's valid as well. But it is like, you know, just, uh, I don't know, comparing, say even let's use someone that none of us are associated with. If you were to like go after analyze HPE based on like what's happening with these so-called tech companies, right? It would be easy to kind of like lace these things together and come to all sorts of weird conclusions about stuff. And, uh, I don't know. It's just a incorrect and unhelpful analysis. Yeah. Well, I mean, you really just if you're the media and and people, there's a lot of powerful forces out there, and you want to have someone to blame for everything. And in this case, Facebook actually bears some of the blame for a change. So um, you know, that, it's a good story. It's not just the uh, the Ready Player One uh, media working overtime. Um, but you know, yeah, you know that, that I, I wanted to have one of y'all read that book, right? Didn't someone recommend did. that? I yeah, did. yeah, I read it. So, so yeah. I, I uh, during book. during South by Southwest, there was all this hype that 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 movie was going to be awesome, and now every time I encountered it, it's some sort of like uh, just like big turd that's being FedExed to everyone's house. Like what? <laughs> what's going on with like the that swift turn? Is it because people actually watched it and it is a shitty movie, or like what? Uh, what's going on with that? I don't know. I haven't no, seen it no, yet because it hasn't yeah. opened here. <laughs> I think uh, I think maybe there's like there's a slight confusion on like the backlash to Ready Player One. So the movie just came out, and I think uh, it got like in the 70s, like 78% in Rotten Tomatoes. So you know, pr- probably from a movie standpoint, pretty good. But the controversy is kind of around like you know, remember GamerGate or mm-hmm. that kind of ongoing thing. So I think the you know somebody wrote a long article. We'll find it and we'll post it in the show notes, but. Uh, the net of it was, you know, it's it's very much from the male point of view, right? Like all mm. everything about that. And it really leaves out like it kind of, um, you know, kind of, you know, that whole narrative around like Gamergate, right? Is a quick recap is like, what is what does it mean to be a gamer? Who should be a gamer? Right. It's generally a very male dominated culture, uh, often misogynistic. Right. You know, kind of draw that whole thing. And so there's been that backlash. And I think so where people are coming from on that movie is like, well, this movie sort of just is kind of glorifies that like it's a male lead character and there aren't very many women in there or if the women are in there, they're kind of like, you know, yeah. And it's, um, you know, like a lot of the references that I think people uh, do like in the book, there are a lot of them are like callbacks to like, what is probably generally like male childhood, right? Like male video games, whereas there aren't a lot of references to like, for example, like what uh, teenage girls would be calling back to. So, um, so that's really where kind of the, the narrative has shifted because I think when ready player one came out, it was really popular. I, I read it. I have to say I like, I did like <laughs> it. I feel bad now saying it because I actually did enjoy it. 
but like I do see the points people are making, right? If yes. if this is reinforcing uh, the the general male stereotypes in gaming and not being very inclusive, then um, people are are less high on it now, and then that's why I think people are less you know enthusiastic about the movie than they would have been maybe if it had come out two years ago. I see. So so yeah. basically, the 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 moral of the story is you should go see Pacific Rim two instead. Just like, just like straight up pure movie enjoyment. No, no, just fucking big robots fighting with each other. We can all agree on that. That sounds like something for little boys too. Mm. Mm. That seems like sorry, sorry, ladies. No, no, no one should go see it. Actually, no one should see that. Uh, Yeah, there was a very good NPR review of it. (laughs) That was like, it's big robots fighting. What more do you need? Next. (laughs) That's that's my point. Is there's no. uh, It's it's as as they used to say. It says right there on the tin. Just just big robots. That's all it is. Yeah, that's all it is. Well, speaking of big robots, uh, this episode is brought to you by Datadog. Uh, they are a monitoring platform for cloud-scale infrastructure and applications. It's built by engineers for engineers. Datadog provides visibility into more than 200 technologies, including AWS, Chef, and Docker, with built-in metric dashboards and automated alerts. With end-to-end request tracing, Datadog provides visibility into your applications and their underlying infrastructure all in one place. You should sign up today for a free trial at www.datadog.com slash SDT. And, and hey, Matt, did you know uh, that Datadog also monitors containers? Do you know what containers yeah. are? Whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah, they do. And uh, <laughs> this week, they want to let you know that they've got a whole blog post up about how to do it. And they've got this cool feature that you can see how all the containers are running inside of uh, your various Kubernetes instances. It's got a nice uh, table that you can sort a million different ways, and you can actually see what's happening with all these containers. And they've even got some stats about uh, how many containers run uh, in a typical Docker instance. And uh, can anyone? Would anyone like to guess, Matt? Would you like to guess on average how many run? Number seven. one to ten. Correct. Seven. <laughs> Docker Whoa, hosts really? run seven <laughs> containers each on average. And I'm the churn rate of these containers are nine times faster than VMs. So they have a lot of good stuff. So you should check them out. Again, go to www.datadog.com slash SDT, sign up for a t-shirt, and tell them your friends from Software Defined Tech Talk sent you. Thank you. <laughs> Love those there t-shirts. You well, you know, I think I think the first half, we had a very, speaking of, uh, of, of tech, we had a very... Uh, a very speaking and tech style. Talked a little bit about security, completely unrelated things. That's good. And uh, I should check in on that podcast again. I haven't listened to it in a long time. Always delightful. But you know, I, I think I think there was there was there was sufficient interesting infrastructure news going on. Now I'm going to cherry pick the first one because I remember a quote from it that I especially liked, uh, and that is that uh, there's going to be ten thousand Oracle workers here in Austin coming soon. Or, or I guess even more, they're going to grow it by that. And I, and I think the quote that I really enjoyed, and I imagine this is speaking of sort of aloof, uh, you, you know, uh, I guess tech fogies. I don't think he would be a bro. Yes. Uh, but I think he said something like, you know, uh, uh, Mark's house, and I guess he's talking about Mark Hurd. <laughs> Is you know oh, something like you got to do it. You got to do it in a Donald Trump voice. Oh yeah, we brought all this real estate, and we're not done yet. We yeah, think- <laughs> let's see if it's in this this story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it totally is. Yeah, Ugh. this is Texas. Oh California, yeah, I like here. I, I like, like this. Free. This is good. This is good. This is Texas. In California, the prices here are like free. Ellison said, "You buy one home in California, Mark's home. Actually, it costs about the same as this." Man, that really is in the style of Trump. Huh. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, confirming. Like, let me just reassociate. Ev- yes. Confirming every Austinite's fear: the Californians are coming. They're 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 coming to uh, buy your land. So basically, yes. we're going to build a wall around Steiner Ranch to contain all the Californians and make sure that they uh, all those homes are building over there, like that they can have fun. And then we're going to enjoy our, uh, you know, 1,200 square foot 1949 bungalows that we never update and put a bucket underneath whenever the rain comes. So so things will work out well. But that is fun that there'll be a lot of Oracle people here building on the uh, uh, the, the container company whose name I always forget, Stack, some, Stack Engine. 
I guess I was right. Yeah, you know, they, they, I haven't tracked them in a while, but as I'm fond of saying, they've been poking up here and there, uh, saying some good, uh, thoughtful, coherent Yeah, things. I think they are the uh, foundation of the Oracle Container. The Anchor. Project. Yeah, the Anchor product, whatever, Anchor mm-hmm. Acquisition. And then there was actually, uh, like, for me, it felt like going back in time, but the Google Oracle uh, lawsuit, which I thought was over, is actually yeah. uh, mm, is it's back. back, baby. And uh, it looks like, from everything I read, it looks like Oracle has has won it, you know, essentially. Yeah. So they have to, like, iron out the damages. But uh, it sort of like, harkens back to the whole, uh, there's a great quote about uh, something about, uh, Jonathan Schwartz's ponytail and his kumbaya days, which was, which was very funny for me, someone who actually worked there for a while, uh, because it, there was a, a moment of that. But it looks like Oracle is is going to get a, a big payment, I would assume, um, from Google. And it, and I I do think the the potential irony in all of this, which many people have noticed, is that uh, if they were to get the full damages, that's eight point eight one billion dollars, which is you know roughly. What they paid for it's about 500 million more than what they paid for sun which would be kind of like mm-hmm. a weird just be like a weird uh i guess footnote, footnote. to the sun yeah. oracle acquisition so i guess we'll uh we'll watch but i you know it's funny though because i remember at the time there being so much discussion about like open source models i actually had to go back and look at the stuff there like sun had this thing called cuddle cddl and then there was this mm-hmm. gpl and i i for one i did not remember i had to look this up that the java uh, was ultimately released under a dual license, which I, as I look back on it, was like, yeah, that was always confusing. Like, when did you need one and when did you didn't? So it's interesting mm. that I, almost a decade later, that's still being worked out. Yeah. And and so, I mean, just to, I, I think I know what the basics of it are, but but maybe y'all two can verify or not this. But essentially, in Android, they use the Java APIs. So the method signatures and the way they're arranged into packages and and I would assume the package names. So you can program in Java, and, and I guess you would use the syntax as well. Uh, and essentially, whoever the Android people were copied that. Uh, I guess the copy is a charged word in this case. But they have those method signatures. And then it turns out that API is all copyrighted. And then Google, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't get licensed for that copyright. And so you sue them because they violated your copyright. Is that, right. is that basically it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the uh, um, Android uh, has a implementation of the JDK. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's not what they're supposed to call it, but um, mm-hmm. you know, you 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 program to the the Java uh, APIs with. Uh, well, now it's uh, what was it Dalvik? It was the language or that's the right. runtime. That's yeah, right. Dalvik, and and now now Kotlin is what the kids are using. Um, and uh, yeah, the, you code to that, and it runs on Android. And Android is kind of Java e, um, right? So, so then a more a more uh, a less precise explanation would be, Android is more or less Java, and so they they reimplemented Java with all the same syntax and method signatures and everything. Yeah. But it's not it's not uh, it's not it's not, it's not pure Java, right? Because pure Java, no, you run no. the TCKs on it, and it has all this. You have to implement right. all these things. So there's a way of verifying that it's Java. But yeah. it, it basically takes it's a subset of Java, and they re-implemented a lot of it. And then it turns out, uh, you know, Google might have wanted to search for this, but it turns out uh, not only are there trademarks, so you can't call it Java, which they don't. So there's trademarks to enforce this stuff. But then there's also a copyright license over it, uh, and if you didn't license that appropriately, then then you would be in violation. And, and I guess Java was released under GPL v2. Is that right? Or, or like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means if you were embedding, uh, if you were embedding this this faux Java thing in any software, and then if I remember the terminology, linked and then distributed it. Uh, then you're in violation of it, and you're supposed to. I think what you're supposed to do is like publish all of your source code that you've ever coded, thought of, or encountered. I think is the, is the way the Stallman nuclear bomb works out there. Yeah. And but but then I guess there's also just straight up copyright uh, that Sun still retained, and so they can just sue your ass based on copyright, which is right. man, that's I think, clever. You know, most of, most of the case. Um, 
hinges on uh, fair use inside copyright. Mm. This is the part I did not quite understand until more recently. And so, um, so like if you were just to probably take a couple methods, right, and just you know just do something minor, probably would never be an issue. It would fall under fair use, right? This is like the equivalent of like uh, quoting something or grabbing. Like I think in music, it's like up to like twenty seconds, right? Where it's just like, yeah, you can do that for free. But if you take too much, right? If you like uh, that falls. Uh, in outside of fair use, they're saying like that point you have to like do something and that and so the reason this is the part I did not understand to reading this article was that the jury sort of sided with um, Google, right? But what um, I've now come to understand is that like fair use, if you think about like books, music, all of that, like there's some pretty rigid legal principles. Like the courts are like, no, 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 we we're going to enforce this idea of fair use because we have well-established principles. And if we loosen fair use anywhere, then, um, you know, it becomes like a nightmare for all like video, mm. music, just everything. So that's why, um, this ruling, like if you talk to just like lawyers, just people that are dispassionate about it are like, no, no, the courts are going to be very, very wary of like loosening fair use rules because those are very well established. You could pass new laws, but they're not going to um, do that. So that seems to be the part that is really going to get Google in trouble here. Um, so I don't know. But again, like what does that mean as far as damages? And, you know, of course, it's like really two very, very successful companies. So like the fact that it's billions of dollars is, you know, probably not a big deal for either one of them. But it is nonetheless interesting to watch. Yeah. And and, and so it's a it's a, a weird case because, you know, the the uh, the the rainbows and sandal programmer in you is like uh, or in one is sort of like, ah, oh, it's just APIs. What are you yeah. going to do? But then, but then it's also like, mm. and, and then, and then especially it's troubling. Cause you got, you got, uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you, as, as I just read Oracle on the other side and like very few people are like, yay. But then, you know, you could think, you could think <laughs> about it in the reverse, right? Like what if Oracle did that same thing to Google or, or, you know, was basically like, uh, they're trying to cash in on that. Like, you know, we're the best cloud ever. And they basically just, uh, replicated the APIs for Azure, AWS, and, uh, and uh, Google. And we're just like, yeah, we just, here's the APIs. You can use exactly that. Or, you know, then I guess you have your Postgres and MyraDB and then, uh, or no, I mean MySQL and MyraDB. And then didn't, po- doesn't Postgres have something where it can like execute? Enterprise DB. Yeah, yeah. Like all, I mean, there's all these sorts of things that are like, it's hard to figure out where you draw the line of compatibility. And, um, yeah. that being something that, uh, that you worry about. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. We'll, we'll call in the lawyers. So <laughs> <laughs> taxes and lawyers. That's this episode. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, let's see. What should we tackle next here? What, what do we got? I, don't no, I feel a... like, Cote, you have to like, you know, you probably can't talk about it, but like we have to at least mention pivotal software news right is it like mm. is it all rainbows and unicorns like what's you know what's uh, it, uh, i have how, been, how do we talk about this without talking about if, it? if if y'all have any questions i have been given an email address i can give you, you can email. <laughs> all right so so maybe we should just leave it at this we should just say congratulations to pivotal for filing for uh their ipo and then there's yeah. a link in here if you want to go uh read either their uh s1 or the millions of articles that were written about it so that's that's easy no one will be upset if we just say that <laughs> right matt ray that's a, that's a good start i mean i i have questions but uh you know they're they're kind of nebulous about uh they just kind of throw out this oh we're going to raise 100 million and it's meant to be as like a placeholder for uh for the eventual size of the uh offering um I guess yeah, you know, we're not going to get the the detail from Cote, but uh, I'm wondering how large, what a what percentage of the company it's actually is, because you know how like VMware did their IPO, uh, but it was 80% of the company was still owned by EMC, right? So right. is this similar float? And also like what happened to the 1.7 billion in VC? You know that or VC uh, and funding that went into uh, the foundation of, of Pivotal. So um, I feel like they're not done yet. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be more to drop as this gets closer to uh, to, to uh, the actual happy day. Um, but uh, you know, 
something to look forward to. It's nice to see tech companies going public. It is. That, that uh, is good. <laughs> that aren't. Hey, don't uh, worry. We should just tell all the listeners, like, at some point, Quote would be like flying to Guam and won't be able to make it. So, Matt Ray, you and I will just have an episode where we just like rant, we just uh, wild speculation on like what's going on with no real information. Oh, we, so, we, we can so, wildly so tune speculate. In. <laughs> So tune into that, and maybe we'll even get some real information from some other people at some point. Did, did mm. you did you say flying to Guam? Yeah, yeah. Well, is it there? I think there's like a Dev a DevOps Day DevOps, uh, summit. DevOps Day Guam. Matt, yeah. Uh, yeah, you and Matt Ray. You and the brown can, snakes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you and Matt Ray can get on there and you know get over there and I'm start good. converting people. <sighs> you know, I was looking. I was looking at travel for that Matt Ray. It takes like 24 yes. plus hours. To get there it's crazy uh-huh you yeah. can fly through like hong kong <laughs> or like yeah uh-huh. i think i think there's a, a a sydney flight but that one's really long like to go through sydney uh, uh-huh yeah welcome to my world i don't um, know that, that seems that I, seems I, intense i've got a direct to jakarta so i'm feeling good about yeah that. yeah well, you're, you're like fine. That, but, that's my monday that's what i do yeah, every monday so yeah yeah i just got back from singapore going back in two weeks Red eyes all the time. Mm, Singapore. I just booked some some travel back to the U.S. Twenty two and a half hours. Chef <sighs> no. Conf. Yeah, you know, I was I was telling someone that, that maybe like how how long is the flight between Sydney and L.A. Isn't that like seventeen hours? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone like it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a relatively short flight. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, I mean, I, I, I've said this before. You, you know, you, you get on the plane. Coming from Sydney, you're going to be leaving in the morning, uh-huh. um, and eventually you fall asleep. Maybe you sleep for like, I don't know, six hours. You, and then you wake up and you're like, oh, that was awesome. But the flight's almost done, and you're like, oh, there's still eight hours to go. <laughs> and you're like, well, I guess I live here now. And you know, you're just like, my life is on a plane now, and you know. That's just how it feels. It's 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 long, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. So I'm making that flight to Chicago uh, in May. In May for Chef. Con- How's that Chef Conf going to be, Matt Ray? It's going to be awesome. Yeah, got a lot, are you going to have like of- uh, bacon and bourbon and stuff like that? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll have bacon and bourbon. There'll uh-huh. probably be some corned beef hash. Oh, uh, corned beef hash. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's going to be a good event. Huh. Um, there's still, I think there's still some early bird pricing available if you haven't signed up yet. Uh, it's tracking uh, to have a, a, a bigger turnout than before. So uh, up and up and up, up and to the right. That's what they say, right? Up and to the right. That's right. Well, you know, the, uh, uh, I think I think there were two other major little news items uh, in in the yeah. space, as it were. One of them, one of them, I think there's a new version of Kubernetes out. And you and, know it, you know, you go and read and it's like, yep, making improvements. So that was a big splash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I they're mean, just I like, tried, they're I, just like better, I, better interface for storage. So you can like, you know, figure out the 13th state, uh, you know, the 13th factor of state. And I don't know, some security bullshit. It's better. Like yeah, whatever. That, that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what it boils down to. I mean, yeah. I read through the release notes and I was like, every six months this happens. Right. So there's yeah. just. You know, it, it goes faster, better, more, cheaper, and uh, you know, some some storage support. Uh, they've got a nice you know a nice process for releasing stuff as alpha and then moving um, things that are you know. But if it's released in alpha, you know, you're not guaranteed to get it. Um, it's not guaranteed to move into the core. It's not guaranteed to stick around. Um, but then it moves, you know, some features will move into beta where they're like, you know, we're not going to drop it, we promise, but we're not done changing it. And then things move into stable. And so every six months, you know, they're iterating over stable. Things are moving into beta, moving, you know, beta moves to stable. Alpha gets kicked around. Some new features get added. And it's just, it's moving fast. It's, but it's starting to feel like reading the Linux kernel release notes where you're like, Oh, cool. Look, mm. uh, another raspberry Pi. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, like, oh, I, they finally I, added that video card. I, I, I don't, I don't envy the, uh, the tech reporters who have to write about it. Cause it really is like, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess true to the jokey thing, uh, you know, it's pretty boring. Like there's no, uh, there's not much going on there, which, which I guess, I guess is a, a, a credit to the overall process that that community has is there's a, Somehow they put a, put a process in place that uh, limits drama around it, and they sort of like have shifted the drama 
I don't well, even know if there is drama yet, but like, there's not. I really mean, that most much. of the drama, it, 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 like the Linux kernel, most of the drama is the people, right? Um, mm. It's <laughs> so we we do have some drama this week, and and Container World. Um, it's not just that uh, you know, not just that there's a new Kubernetes, but uh, Solomon Hikes has left Docker. So there's your drama. Mm-hmm. Still, still on the board, if I remember. But yes, but yeah, still on the board. You know, still and contributing. I, I, as, as I was, as I was alluding to in our uh, our software defined talk, is it talk, Brandon, or tech? I forget. Anyways, in our software defined talk Slack channel, uh, man, I, I need to find out who does all those illustrations because I, I have spent an inordinate amount of time looking at the angle of the eyebrow of that dude in his little boat. Like it's a very like with a very spare amount of illustration. That whole like facial expression and eyebrow thing has this very like uh is it winsome? It has this kind of like weird but precise emotionalness to it. So like uh good job to the illustrator. That's very, very, very good. But do y'all uh you know, over the years, we can we can separate it from the thing in particular, because that's always uh I don't know. We like to be polite on this podcast. But like wh- what is the deal with the iconic founder? Is that a is that a good idea? Like like never mind Steve Jobs and all that because like that's and well Zuckerberg covered. And, yeah, yeah, but but like in the infrastructure space, like it it seems like as I was alluding to earlier, like it's it's a it's a difficult thing to manage. But I think I think that's because I more remember and notice like negative ones, and and I don't have a good appreciation of like like positive ones, and so it's. It, it you know it's hard for me to run through my head w- which organizations have sort of like kept their original staff uh like all throughout and and the executives that they have i mean i, I don't think we have a huge sample size there really yeah, yeah. I, you know i mean when you start thinking about it, it's like you know at what point did the founders leave and why did they leave you know sometimes it's leaving because they you know the fit between you know, making the transition to becoming, you know, an enterprise software company wasn't right. Sometimes it was like, you know, they were small startup people and they got bored. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's not always, sometimes it's personality, sometimes it's business, sometimes they do stick around. Um, You know, you still got, uh, uh, you know, Monty, Monty over at MySQL, he's been there the whole time, you know, mm. through a couple of acquisitions and MariaDBs, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's just trucking along. Um, you know, so it, uh, you know, Chef, uh, for example, uh, several several of the founders are, are no longer at Chef, uh, but some of the, but uh, Adam Jacob, who wrote it, still is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it uh it's it's hard to generalize um, yeah, not that yeah. it ever stops us yeah. but yeah but i do think as a general rule i mean i think you can look at some of these things i think to putting all the sides all the you know how good someone is or like how impactful they are it's just it's just as simple as like maintaining ownership right so you know the ones that get pointed out a lot are you know facebook and google obviously founders who you know not only do they have massive success but that success led them to really you know essentially control the company, right? Which is rare. I think most of the time that doesn't happen. Um, and then and then I think, you know, as we like to talk about on the show, I always think it takes a very unique person to like survive the halo effect. Like sounds like Solomon Hikes. So, I mean, it's a good example. He's there 10 years. I mean, it's a miracle if you think of it. It's almost like an incredible achievement to start a company and a movement that led to Docker. And, you know, and I think anyone that does that, you are – going to attribute a lot of that success to yourself because that's human nature right human nature this is where that halo effect comes from but to to simultaneously be sort of like aware of like what how it happened and also be humble enough to like be someone that can work at a company and not like if you will like hey i i wrote this thing it's got to be this way it's really hard right so i think it's a unique person that can um you know, create something, also stay humble and work in large organizations, which is why I think it's just normal for these guys to move on. And Docker, I think, as we talked about on the last DockerCon episode a couple months ago, is like, you know, it's definitely at a crossroads, right? So mm-hmm. it probably seems like he, I'm sure he was diluted down. And, um, you know, I think that last big announcement when they went through the branding and stuff, and I think it was, I, I don't think it's like throwing stones to say it was confusing. It was just, I think they're still working it out. So, it probably is, you know, I mean, at this point, the company's going to go in a different direction. So probably makes total sense for him to step away from it. 
Yeah, and he's not the the first, uh, you know, not the first of the the people to leave. I mean, uh, Jerome Petazzoni, one of their, uh, I don't know, he was one of their lead engineers. He left uh, recently too. So, but you know, he said he needed to step back and take some space and you know take some personal time. And you know, it's it's hard being under the microscope and the grind of all that, you know, day in day out. And uh, yeah, I mean. The dude's only 34, too, so it's like it's not like he's done, probably, you know. Right. Probably. And I think that's probably the biggest thing about like him stepping away. He's like, I mean, clearly he's not done. Clearly he'll take some time off. He'll come back. He'll start something over. So I'm sure it wasn't like, hey, I'm, I'm it's so great. I'm walking away because I mean, all likelihood, I, I would bet a lot of money. He starts another company or is heavily involved in a new one. And, you know, that's a whole tr- probably like a lot of guys, a lot of like a lot of people will try to go start or finish what he started, at least in his mind. So, you know, mm-hmm. and it'll be fun to watch. Right. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, I think I think also like as I was reading summaries or not summaries, I, I guess any news article of <laughs> like uh, 1500 words or less is a summary. But whatever, as as, as I was reading uh articles about it like many of them cataloged the uh the strategic roadmap of of as people like to say docker inc and uh, i'd kind of forgotten about some of those things like the whole moby split and stuff like that and i think i think what what uh what those cataloging and and docker continues to be a, a fun study in sort of like uh i don't know the higher level if there is a philosophy of startup business the idea of like how you properly manage uh, like really fast growth based on their it being free versus and and coupled with that you have you know my uh, my cynical thing of like you know uh, basically what you want to do is get really high growth and get someone to buy you and then monetization <laughs> is their problem right <laughs> you pass that on to someone I, else and you cash yeah, out yeah the, the 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 strategy tax. Uh... That's, right. That's what. That and, is. And, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, not to 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 aggrandize myself again, right? Like with my with my M and A background, like I'm always I always have in my mind like all those companies I would talk with where they would they would be of this profile, they would be super famous and interesting, and then you would sort of like pull out the spreadsheet and be like, oh, how am I going to make money off of this, right? And right. and then you see lots of lazy analysis of like, oh, VMware or Microsoft should buy them. And we, we've talked about this before, right? Like if you bought, if you bought Docker, like what are you going to get that you could get that you don't already have, right? Like even if you're a cloud provider or IBM or Microsoft or VMware or, you know, you might be able to kind of like snow over Cisco to be like, hey, you should buy this thing. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, get them to buy a watch from inside the jacket. Um, Although I I heard, I was talking with someone recently and they said uh, that AppDynamics is doing very well in uh, Cisco. So that's great. Good for them. but it is it is, so so you've got that one theory right and as as the VCs and whoever's on the board and the senior leadership who's driving it right so they've got to have this thing in the one hand is like we we should cash out right you know and then on the other hand uh, you've got this like we should make a business that is nearing profitability uh, or or as we commonly will comment on Docker we should come up with a strategy and and just like a thing that we would sell and I th- I don't it's I, I feel yeah, like I, mean, the, I, I feel like the first model is basically always a bad idea, and yet that's still the model that everyone patterns their companies after. Like it's almost the, like this mania that that we as a infrastructure or, or as true tech companies, like we can never get over the fact that like you should probably try to make money, not have some sucker cash you out. Well, there, yeah, there, there are kind of like three acquisition points. So either you buy the hype uh, when they're you know skyrocketing on the way up, and you know apparently uh, that time is probably passed for Docker. Um, you can buy the the steady money making business, and you're like you know we can optimize this and make more. Maybe that's the AppDynamics buy. And then you can buy the uh, the distressed property that you know needs uh, private equity or you know somebody who's like you know I can get this for you know pennies on the dollar and 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 uh, you know get something good out of it and I mean to overly generalize not that that stopped us before but you know those are kind of the three buckets for acquisitions and yeah, um, yeah. well we'll see. We'll see what's next. Yeah, and, yeah, and you know. I think I think I think to to layer on to to interrupt you there, Brandon. But like the 
you know, if if uh, if if you had a triggering mechanism, what a, a filter, right? There, there's some point in the where the cash out strategy for an acquirer becomes dumb, right? Like, like you're saying, like if you if you're going to buy a company for like five or ten million dollars and they've got a good staff and and like they have some good hype and stuff, like I mean, you know, five to ten million dollars is a lot of money, but that's a different way of thinking about like a cash out kind of acquisition. But there's a point that a, that a technology company crosses where they no longer have the ability to be the sole source of whatever makes them off uh, awesome, right? They don't have, to put it in a cynical way, they don't have lock-in. Um, and so that's, that's, this is why it being a pure open source company is very troubling. Um, and so like, it's almost like if you're looking at the, the possibility of a company retaining its value or looking at, at, at acquiring a company, a big part of the analysis is like, is there something that's actually proprietary, lock-in inducing, and unique to this company? Because if there's not, then like, what am I paying for? And um, I think it's I think people too often like overlook that aspect of it because it feels really dirty <laughs> to think about that. Like, like we we are brought up. Uh, this is why I guess you hire corp dev people who aren't computer nerds because they don't give a fuck. But like, we as tech people are brought up to be all like open and fuzzy and like you know want to change the world where everyone's just like, no, man, I need a way to like extract maximum profit from people who have nowhere <laughs> yeah. else to go. So you can leave your, I think the, the you know, the thing that I'm most interested in, and this is, you know, hopefully one day, uh, I'll give an interview, like, you know, looking back on it was just like at the time of when they kind of were faced with that position that Docker is like, just how much of these were conscious decisions versus, you know, just sort of like seemed like the thing to do, because I think it's totally reasonable to say, you're sitting on this wave of uh, really container momentum, right? This go back a couple of years, it's happening. And so you can say to yourself like, well, I really want to just sell this company. Maybe we're like the Coral West style. Like I just want to sell it for like a hundred million dollars, end up with everyone that has good jobs and we'll work really hard with that new company, make it successful. And obviously there's a lot less upside, but there's, you know, a lot less at stake versus, okay, these people will give me all this money and they want me to be the next VMware but that is a there's really a high likelihood that doesn't happen. But that's okay for the VCs, right? right. Because they they the economics dictate that that's what they want to bet on. So did they decide that they wanted to do that bet as well, or was it like, oh wait a minute, like uh, I didn't realize this bet was so big, and now I'm a little regretful because I you know I just it's just interesting like what do we think of Cor the CoreOS exit versus the Docker thing, right? It just feels like oh CoreOS yeah good job right it worked out guys and. You know, it's like on in the footnote of history. And I think Docker seems like, I mean, of course, a lot's going to happen, but clearly they're going to, you know, they're at a real crossroads. So like right yeah. now, it doesn't seem so obvious, but who knows what will happen. And, in the future. and, and, and I guess, I guess that's, that's, that kind of gets to the heuristic. I'm just like, uh, oscillating around in my rambling way is like, um, at, at, I don't know what the revenue amount is, but, but, at, at, or valuation, but if you want to make the big bet, the question that everyone should be asking constantly is how are you going to make money? And then exactly. in the next meeting, why are you not making more money? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, like, and, and if that's not the question that's constantly being asked and, and sort of like, uh, explored, then like you're a bad gambler. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, back, back, back when we were, uh, you know, youngins in the salad days like this was expressed as you know dot-com companies are are uh, are crazy but what's their monetization strategy and that got right. to be such a a um as as it turns out a correct question to ask all the time that everyone was exhausted with that question and would make fun of it like stop asking what the monetization strategy right. is but it turns out you should constantly be asking what the monetization yeah. strategy is and so anyways i mean that's just sort of like in in uh, in in the, the the book of things you should probably worry more about that that you don't if you're going to be doing infrastructure software is yeah make make sure you don't open source everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, well and I think you know maybe this is a good way to wrap on on this topic is just simply that uh, if when you're having that conversation and you say uh, at any point you say and uh, well let's look at Red Hat don't don't do that don't do that like Red Hat <laughs> is a very unique company and then we're probably not going to talk about it this week that is doing really well 
uh, they've got three billion in revenue run rate over probably you know after being in it twenty years. So so if you if you think if your line is ever like and we're going to do what Red Hat uh, did, no no you're not you're not going to do that. Right. So so please please move to the next I, slide. And and, and, uh, and, and you know you know to be to to use that to layer on to the the Docker thing. I mean and and it's you know I guess the the horn effect or whatever. I mean. I don't really know anything about Docker Swarm. I know very little about Kubernetes, despite what my job is. Uh, but like, I guess if Docker Swarm had taken off, then we would be saying it was awesome, <laughs> right? Like, and so I'm—I don't really know what the uh, what that product battle looked like. Like, why one so obviously? I mean, it's only like five percent of the market exists, but you know what I mean. Like, I don't know why Kubernetes won out over Swarm or whatever, but maybe that is sort of also an additional layer of point is for whatever reason, this thing didn't work out. And then I bring that up because, uh, you know, in Red Hat land, there are some other Linux distributions and it is sort of freely available, but like they're kind of the only source for the things they offer, right? It's not like, Mm -hmm. it's not like there's like an alternate JBoss source that exists, right? Or an alternate rel source. I mean, they went and bought like, uh, you know, uh, CentOS or whatever themselves. So they are the alternate rel source and <laughs> like, and, and, and on and on, like, right. Like you only get open shift yeah. from Red Hat. So it is, and, and I don't know if this proves the, the, the point that Brandon is making that Red Hat is unique, but even in the case of Red Hat, what you buy from them is actually pretty unique to Red Hat, right? Like you don't, you can't just go buy that from somewhere else. And yeah, so you can either pay them or not pay anyone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Which, which uh, you know, now they're, they've got a $3 billion run rate, which that's fantastic. We'd all like to have a $3 billion run rate. Yeah. Unless you had a $4 billion. Hey. <laughs> hey. Math, am I right? Uh, yeah. yeah, but, you know, but, but the fun thing about our run rate is you're still running. You don't have a, a $3 billion flat, flat line. So I'm sure, I, you know, I think, I, think, I think there's two companies I wish I would have invested in and uh, you know, sort of Microsoft and Red Hat like 10 years ago. But I, I, uh, I don't have a time machine. Apple. So, so of it's course. Facebook. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, all these companies. <laughs> should, I, I should have I bought my uh, Vanguard Spartan 2060 index fund or something earlier. Uh. Yeah, good old, good, old, good old whatever that is. Is that a, is that an ETF, Brandon? Is that what a is that what an index fund is? An index fund is an ETF, yes. But you can also buy uh, index funds as as uh, mutual funds as well. Mm-hmm. So either way, either way you want to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, why don't we have a system that's just like you know just gives you the money you need? Does, has someone tried that? <laughs> Communism, uh, Cote. <laughs> Communism. I think I think uh, I think we uh, actively decided against pensions many oh, years ago yeah. in the United States. So, yeah. So uh, yeah. So either work for a public. Uh, uh, work for like some kind of public sector company, or uh, I guess just uh, move. That would be your options. So. <laughs> <sighs> well, that's an exciting. Don't stop try. working, Cote. Don't stop working. <laughs> Don't yeah. stop working. Well, we have a little bit of feedback and uh, and just like house cleaning uh, before we get to the the recommendation. So so first of all, I think someone did correctly uh, over in the Slack channel. Uh, some some so called Eric Larson, if that is his real name did say that uh, weeding maybe is not so calming. Now, I, I'll admit to that. We, it was just sort of like hobby weeding seems, seems nice. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think <laughs> yeah, it's something yeah, that I would want to pursue on a daily basis. And the weather was very nice then. So, so you know, that, that's good. And it, and it seems like we've been uh, successfully deploying all of our, uh, our stickers everywhere. So uh, what should people do, Brandon, if they want to get a sticker? They should email stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Where uh, and of course I, I hate to mention this, but I do need your mailing address. Many people send me an email, and uh, <laughs> I often end up responding like, "Hey, thanks for listening. Can you send me the email address or your, mm. your mailing address?" And then they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." So uh, this week, uh, our friend Craig from our t- Ontario, he says we're doing a great job, and I emailed him a sticker. And John Mitchell, who you interviewed, Cote, right? Uh, he also emailed, and I got him some stickers as well. So you can. There you uh, go. You can also check him out on Software Defined Interviews, where Cote and him have a great talk about linemen and uh, how to rebuild uh, you know, good software at an energy company. So it was interesting. Yeah, to do our Software Defined interview, cross, interviews, cross-promotional things, So as Brandon said. That's a good interview with him. I, I kind of screwed up on the audio, audio quality on his end, but whatever. It's, it's worth listening to it because it's, uh, 
It's a soup to nuts story of digital transformation, uh, or at least, you know, the way that I talk about it, people improving their software to make their business better. And once I remember to go back and schedule it to post next week uh, on Monday, you can listen to uh, me and my friend uh, Rita Minacci talking about analyst relations and how, uh, how it works in the enterprise software space. And, uh, and I think also her, uh, her method, I finally remembered to do the, uh, the, the, the quick fire thing. I, I think I'm going to call it the question buffet at the end, but she has, she has some good takes on uh, how to select booze at bars and things like that. And then also I wanted to follow up on my, uh, recommendation from last week where I was not, I too did not know how to pronounce, uh, the name of this restaurant. I was with, with my, uh, my French friend, uh, sales rep friend for uh, four hours driving to the insurance capital of, of uh, France both ways. That's eight hours total driving time. We could have gotten to West Texas, I think, by starting in Paris. We could have been to Marfa in that time. I, I, I hear Texas is bigger than France. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> he, uh, he told me about 10 times how to pronounce this. But it's, uh, it's, it's, we'll put a link to it, but it's this, it's this great little steakhouse and all they serve is, uh, all they serve is steak and frites. They have variety in the desserts and I think two types of wine, but they come up and they say, I think I might've recommended this before, but they come up and they say, how do you want your steak cooked? Uh, and, yeah. uh, you just tell them that and then they bring you steak and they put this green like- sauce on top of it. It's just enchanting. It's, uh, man, that place is so good. I don't know why I didn't go there every night, but I went there at least one night and, uh, I sat in the same table as last time I was there. It, it was, it, it felt great, but just look in the links. It's like, le, le, le le cote. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, but you, you go, you go to the one by the, uh, the Limeridian, uh, there's another bad pronunciation where they have the open stack conference and other conferences. I think that's like the original one instead of uh, all the other ones. And then also uh, we got a bunch of conferences coming up. I think, uh, I got, golly, I guess it's next week. I'm going to be uh, up in Dallas uh, emceeing a Spring One tour. I'm also supposed to run the open spaces we'll be having in the afternoon, which I think if you were to pick someone to run an open spaces, it would definitely be the guy who does not like asking audience members to raise their hand and generally doesn't like call-in people. So we'll see how that goes. That, that I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll be fun. And then uh, I think the week after that, I'll be at Innotech San Antonio, if you're familiar with the Innotech series of uh, conferences. And then, of course, Matt Ray and I will be at DevOps Jays Jakarta, and we mentioned ChefConf. And uh, you're going to be at the AWS Summit in Sydney, right? I'll be at the booth. I'll be at the booth, man. Boothing. Booth. Uh, boothing, uh, handing out stickers, you know. That yeah. kind of stuff. Let me let me uh, let me scan your stickers. badge. Can I scan your badge? You got, got, a, got it. Got a badge scanner. Got to get the leads. Lead retrieval. So uh, yeah, all all sorts of things coming up there. And then finally, before we get to our recommendations, if you haven't bought a T-shirt yet, you should get one. They're cheaper now. You can use the. Uh, you can get twenty percent off if you use the code SDTFSG. Uh, and you know they're they're fine T-shirts as you would expect. So all of that is available at uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com, and uh, this is episode 128. So you can find the show notes and other things we didn't cover. All those links to to all the glory at uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash 128. So recommendations this week. What do you have for us, uh, Matt? Uh, well, uh, I think we mentioned South by Southwest. Um... If you if you're into a, a rambling talk about the state of things, uh, which I always am, uh, Bruce Sterling gave his his annual keynote at South by Southwest, and I uh, got the link to that. He talks about uh, uh, art and uh, healthcare and uh, global warming and uh, tech companies, and yeah, you know, it's uh, it's kind of like our show without the footnotes. Um, and then <laughs> and then uh, uh, I stumbled across. Uh, uh, on, on the Twitters, um, rainbow delimiters, uh, a pro- prog mode for Emacs that not, not only does it do, um, parentheses matching, it makes them in pretty colors like a rainbow. So it's, it, it, uh, brings some color to your IDEs. It's very nice. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Now, now how would you compare that to other color modes in, in Emacs? <laughs> well, this one only highlights uh, your your parentheses, your brackets. Uh, um, so as you start to nest those things, if, you, if you're coding up in the Lisp, 
um, you, you it shows them in different colors. So like the colors of the rainbow. Yeah, yeah. it's very nice. Huh. Huh. How about yourself, Brandon? <laughs> yeah, just uh, going to a totally different topic here because I won't be using the rainbow limiters in Emacs. Uh, <laughs> is uh, I watched a, a pretty good movie the other day on Netflix called The Gift. It has uh, Jason Bateman in it. Uh, but in kind of a different role, he's a, it's like a thriller kind of psychological thriller kind of thing. And, uh, is, I like that genre in general, but kind of different, kind of takes a different turn, uh, in it, which I really enjoyed. So you're going to see Jason Bateman sort of doing something kind of different, uh, a little bit darker than maybe his days in, a, um, was arrested, uh, was about to say arrested development. Uh, check it out. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, this week I have a, a somewhat trivial recommendation. You know, I might have even recommended it before in uh, true Castle Freak style. But uh, I've been overindulging in the Blue Diamond Smokehouse Almonds. Now, uh, if you ever, I think they sell these at Costco for people who are taking notes. Because we have them in a big, a big self-sealing uh, bag. And I, you know, I can't imagine we bought those from Buddy. So they must be from, uh, from Costco. But... I, I, I have prevented myself many times from looking at whatever ingredients they put on these almonds because they're just, like, too delicious. Like, I don't want to know that there's, like, you know, some asbestos is used to, like, cut your tongue to increase the flavor or something like that. Like, it's just, man, you could just, like, my wife always says that uh, uh, you don't actually need to be hungry to eat dessert, which I think is a good operating theory. Now, I beg to differ. I'm not a big dessert person, but I feel like you don't really need to be hungry to eat smokehouse almonds. They're just they're so delicious. Uh, and and they're, so, they're so good, as a matter of fact, that once we finish this bag, I am going to recommend that we buy no more because they're, they're just very damaging. Sort of, wow. uh, it, it, it's very good. So uh, anyways, uh, if you want to find links to those recommendations, I said where to go earlier. And uh, I, I think with that, We'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye.